Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another Breakdown bonus episode. Just wanted to give you a quick reminder to check out content warnings in the episode description. We definitely get into things on this episode. Also, tickets are still for sale for the Breakup Breakdown brunch. It's going down on September 23rd in Atlanta, Georgia. Check out those details. Once again, stay with me in the episode description. Amy from New Perspectives is back. Hey, Amy, thanks for coming back. Hey, Abby, good to be back. Thanks so much. Whew, we had a doozy of an episode this week. It, it touches on a lot of different issues. We talked about her really traumatic sexual assault experience. We also talked about codependency and some of her tendencies of why she went back into this relationship. They broke up like three different times. We, we really covered a lot of bases, so we're going to break it down from the mental health perspective. So thanks for coming on and, and being able to answer all my questions. Okay, so the first thing that I want to dive into, because we like really went right into it. It was like first five minutes, like first 10 minutes. And she basically said, you know, I was dating this guy, started out as a hookup situation. And like first, second time we got busy, he unfortunately sexually assaulted her. I think she had the same experience that a lot of women have where they don't recognize it immediately. They know something's gone on, but because it's their boyfriend or maybe it's somebody they know, they don't quite clock it as that was sexual assault. Why are victims so apt to blame themselves for something that they weren't responsible for? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, you know, it it was interesting and I was listening to it as well. So much much of it is our past history. So like if we've been in relationships and not even sexual relationships, it could be parent-child relationships, it could be some kind of family dynamic, it could be anything where we are feeling like we are in the one down position of power. And then we play that role out in other relationships. It's really interesting how that works because it's something in our mindset a lot of times where, you know, I have to make this work or maybe it's something that I did that created this. Let me just see if I do something different. The next time this won't happen, that person won't react that way. And so it's almost like this over the sense of over responsibility that the person takes on as creating the behavior or the choices of the other person. So I think that's why sometimes it doesn't, we don't turn away from it right away because we're thinking, okay, I must have done something to create that. Let me kind of dial back and I'll just go into it the next time. And then I'll just be different the next time. And then hopefully the result will be different. Again, like it would be so easy to say, well, I was drinking and I was smoking weed. I could have yelled louder. We were intimate before, you know, like 10 minutes before. So maybe he thought it was just, she framed it as she almost tried to justify it for for him in like one second of like telling the story of, I'm assuming he thought it was something passionate. Like, you know, he was being overly aggressive or, you know, trying to, you know, take control or some kind of way. But no, she, uh, she thinks about it over the next couple of days and she was reflecting on the moment. She was like, by the end of when I finally confronted him about it, I was the one comforting him. And I think a lot of victims are manipulated and, and gaslight themselves into thinking that somehow, again, like they were to blame. Let's say this girl came to you as a client and 
she wanted to to work through that. How would you help somebody come to the conclusion that what happened to them was sexual assault and it wasn't something that like they were to blame for or that they could have changed in any way? Yeah, for me, I, you know, I'll ask a lot of questions in the beginning just to kind of see if this was a one-off experience for the person, if it was my client, or if there are typical things that have happened in their life over their lifetime, kind of like I was mentioned before, that may not be in a relationship like that. But if I get to see that there's sort of a pattern with that, then I kind of want to know, you know, what is it that makes you feel like you're responsible for someone else's choices? What is it that makes you feel like you're the reason that kind of brought this on? And a lot of times it's that self messaging. It's the messaging that they've gotten from other people. So if it was, if it was a client of mine, I would look at sort of where does their self messaging come from? What may accept their self-messaging? Has that been sort of over the course of their life so far? And is it accurate? And then I would try, if I could, if I could tell they were receptive to it, I would try to gently confront some of that self-messaging a little bit. Like, well, you know, are you, do you kind of take this role in your mindset at work or with, when you're with your, you know, when you're with, out with your best friend, if they say, well, no, not at all, then there's a great opportunity there to show, okay, so you really are someone of strength and you really don't always you know, see yourself as responsible for what, for other people's behaviors or actions. What do you think might be happening in this situation? Why you do? Because a lot of times they have been put in a situation from an authority figure, from a parent, from a coach, from a teacher, where they have just felt like they can't stand up for themselves. They have to be the one responsible for it. But when you start to challenge it, like, wait a second, I don't actually do that in every scenario. So why do I do it in this one? Then we can begin to look at you don't deserve to do this. This isn't helpful for you. This doesn't serve you well. And let's figure out, does it have to be this way? And can we begin to shift that a little bit to where it is more beneficial for you? I wasn't going to start bringing up codependency until kind of like later in our conversation, but it kind of almost sounds like being someone that has codependent tendencies might be someone who's like more apt to blame themselves if something like this happened to them. It can be because it's kind of a circular relationship. It's kind of a cycle that you go through. Like, you know, I'm in communication with this person or I'm out with this person. Something happens. I I react or respond, they react or respond. Somehow now I'm responsible. And so a lot of times the codependent personality is like, I caused this, I created this. What can I do to fix this? What do they need different? Even if it's a if it's an imbalance of power, I want to make this right. And so a lot of times it's I want to make this right almost sometimes to the detriment of my own safety, of my own security, of my own best interest. And so that can really be a tendency to why someone who is in an assaultive relationship doesn't really notice it because they're kind of used to self-assault in the sense that we don't put ourselves in a power position. We don't put ourselves in an assertive position and we're just there to serve and take care of whatever everybody else needs. So there's some people pleasing that can go into it too. And it, it can become very complicated, kind of like how um, the interview that you did was, it was very complex. The girl who I interviewed, I mean, I literally was applauding her by the end just because, I mean, to I think it takes a lot of strength, A, to survive that kind of relationship, but then to also like leave it. It felt like the kind of relationship where she 
was just kind of constantly getting drawn back into this guy. She referred to it as like, she felt very manipulated by it. Like in hindsight, obviously in the moment, I don't think she was like, I'm being manipulated. Otherwise I feel like she would have left. But I feel like I talked to a lot of my friends who aren't in relationships where these kinds of extremes exist, but I feel like everybody can kind of relate to that on some level where they just have this person that they just keep going back to. And I'm wondering like, if you were going to work with somebody on finally cutting the cord on a relationship where they're maybe being manipulated into being pulled back into it, like how would you work through those kinds of problems with them? It's hard because there's a lot of attachment that goes with that. There's a lot of comfort zone that goes with that, like where we might even not even realize we're telling ourselves, this isn't good for me. This isn't healthy for me, but it's what I know. I know how to handle this. I know how to manage this. I don't know if I know how to handle something that's healthier or that serves me better or that is more supportive or more mutual. And I don't know what that feels like. And it's scary. So I'm just going to stay in this comfort zone. I'm going to stay with what I know and I'm just going to deal with it because even though it's not good, I can get through that. And so a lot of it is that self-value piece that self-worth piece and almost like having to reprogram if it's been a lifelong pattern where, you know, we learned sort of this in our early experiences, it was modeled by unhealthy behaviors from our parents or whatever it is. We have to unlearn that we have to learn new things. So it takes a little while. So if it was a client of mine, I would be really looking to support through, you know, words of empowerment, but empowerment based in fact, not just making it up like, oh, you're an amazing person, but more like, look at where you did this, how, you know, you got through college. How did you do that? And, and were there any attachments there that weren't helpful for you? And did you have to leave those and what was easier? And it's not the same, but it gets the mind thinking back to, okay, yeah, I actually do know things that are different than this and why I keep going back to this. I'm not sure, but at least now I am kind of seeing I am capable of not going back to this. It's just maybe going to take me more work. Yeah, I keep bringing up the word codependent, but I also feel like I haven't quite defined it as maybe somebody who's tuning in for the first time. Can you talk a little bit about what codependency is? Yeah, there's a lot of definitions out there. Anybody could kind of just go to Google and search it. I think really the bottom line is this imbalanced relationship, but there's power on both sides a lot of times. So the one who is creating all the obstructive behavior or abusive behavior, you know, there's then the person is the other person is trying is maybe enabling that or covering it up or maybe feels power in the one they're the only one that can deal with this person. So there's like this weird power imbalance, but in the unhealthiness, it works for both people and it's learned a lot of times. So we see that in our lives. And that's how we learn it through improper boundaries or just improper communication and things like that. But it's usually when one partner needs the other partner or each person needs each other, but not for healthy reasons, but the system works, whether it's healthy or not. And if you've ever been in an unhealthy system, like an unhealthy family system, where maybe there's, you know, an addict, or maybe there's something, some one person that claims a lot of the need, a lot of the attention If somebody in that system gets healthier in terms of their coping or their boundaries, usually that system goes crazy trying to figure out how to manage because now it's all topsy-turvy. All the unhealth isn't working together like a well-oiled machine the way it was. So the, so now there's, it's having to reconfigure all that, but the codependency is usually where, you know, the people need each other, but that need is bonded in unhealth. Mm. that's the way I kind of look at it. Cause if you have dependent, usually like I can, you can be dependent on your partner, dependent on your friend, but that 
dependency, if it's rooted in health, usually it supports your value, usually supports your growth. There's It's usually mutual and respect and things like that. Codependency usually isn't, or maybe it doesn't start that way. It doesn't start out that dramatic, but it moves to that drama if there's, especially if there's other things involved, like other really um, violations of boundaries. Are there patterns maybe in somebody's childhood that are consistent with someone who tends to fall into codependent relationships? Like, would it have been a child who was maybe like scapegoated growing up? Or are there parent-child relationships that would shape how someone could end up into these types of relationships? For sure. You know, anytime the parent is not the parent and the child is not the child, whatever that means that can create. So for example, if you have a child who is more of the parent in the relationship, for whatever reason, the child takes care of the parent, the child has to be emotionally responsible and careful around, you know, the parent's state of emotion. You can have, so you can have an overly responsible child who really shouldn't have to be that in that family dynamic, or you can have, like you said, the scapegoated child, the kid who can never do well enough, the kid who's always put down, the kid who's always blamed for everything wrong with the family. It's your fault. If you weren't here, you know, there's a lot of so, you know, such hurtful things that can be said that stick with kids. And then the kid's brain develops with all those messages. So yeah, anytime that boundary is crossed where the parent is not functioning as the parent needs to function and the child is not able to function as the child needs to function, then that can create that codependency. So now the child feels responsible for the parent's happiness or the child feels responsible for the parent to not get upset or the child feels responsible to make sure that he or she needs to do what has to be done in order for the family to operate. Otherwise it's the child's fault. That burden can lead to codependence because now, and it can also foster people pleasing because now I just want to do And I just want to say whatever's going to keep the peace, whatever's going to make things work. Forget about my feelings. Forget about if this works for me. That's not important. What is important is everything else works, even if I don't. Yeah. People pleasing was something that we really dove into in the interview I put out on the Tuesday episode. Um, That was something that the person I interviewed had really identified in themselves, like one of the biggest signs of their tendency in, in this relationship. Are there other things that maybe people wouldn't think of? I think people pleasing is kind of like the first thing that would come to people's head. But is there something that like maybe would be unexpected that people might now notice in the relationship that's not maybe people pleasing? Are there other signs of codependency that you would notice in yourself? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. And, you know, we kind of get that little twinge in our heart or in our gut. Like if we know something's not working for us, whether we pay attention to it or not, I think one of the things is am I compromising or am I being asked to compromise something about myself, my honesty, my values, my boundaries, the level of respect. I mean, I have a friend who, you know, she's super respectful. She never says a negative thing. And she a while back was in this relationship and she was just saying the most hurtful, harmful things like she was about, about him to him. And I remember her saying one time to me, I've never been like this. I don't know what's wrong with me, but she had to, that was the only way she could be heard in that relationship. But it was so outside of her natural personality and the natural respect that she would always give. So I feel like if you, if you notice things about yourself that just aren't who you are or who you want to be, then that could be a sign of codependency because what are we compromising ourselves for? 
for this relationship. And if this relationship is hurting us, what's keeping us in it? What's going on there? Also, just sort of this, I think I mentioned with the kids, just sort of this, if you feel like over-responsible for somebody else's emotion or the potential for their reaction or for their happiness, that's a good sign that there's some codependency there because we never want to be more responsible for someone else's life than they are. And if we feel like, oh my gosh, this person's going to go to drastic measures if I'm not in their life, that's definitely a red flag. And that's definitely a sign of codependence. Why would I want to stay somewhere where I feel completely responsible or way too responsible for someone else's happiness, well-being, that kind of thing. So those are some of the initial things that come to my mind. But then there's also stuff just as far as like, you know, just feeling like if I feel like I can't can't live without that relationship and it's not even healthy, but there's something really that I just am afraid to get rid of or don't think I can get anything better or again, worried for the other person. So fear-based stuff is another kind of indicator that there might be some codependency going on if if fear is why we're staying in Mm -hmm. the relationship. It might've been the person that I I put out for this week or it might've been another interview. They all kind of like mesh together sometimes. But literally told me, I was like, why didn't, why didn't you end this relationship? And they said, I literally felt like I was going to die if I was not in this relationship. And on top of that, and also like what you said about your friend, they didn't understand why they were acting certain ways. I feel like everybody's been in a relationship where you feel like they bring out the worst in you and you almost like put responsibility on yourself where it's like, okay, well, if I could just act better, uh, this relationship would work. But if it's an unhealthy balance and you're both acting very codependent. Um, it's just probably something you want to get out of. What, what about identifying those kinds of traits in your partner? Like maybe like is a codependent relationship where two people both kind of have to have these tendencies or can it even be one-sided to where maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who has codependent tend- tendencies? And if so, how would you identify that? I think it could be one-sided. I think if it is, this is just my own thought process right now. I think if it is one-sided, I'm not sure the other person who's not codependent would stay very long because they would begin to feel smothered or attacked or a lack of freedom or not being able to be themselves. And if they're not codependent, if they have enough self-boundary, they're probably not going to stay in it but it might be hard still to get out of it because if the other person is highly codependent and uses that to manipulate emotionally or with fear or threats or things like that, the non-codependent person might not really know how to handle that. So they might need to get some outside support. Like, I feel like I'm in this relationship. I feel like it's not healthy. It's a good person. But at the same time, I feel really on edge. I feel really on eggshells. I feel like I have to text 24 seven and they're always asking me where I am. So like, I think you can identify if you're not the codependent one, if you feel that way, even if you're not sure how to get out of it, because now it's a matter of getting out, get you getting out safely and making sure they're safe in the exit as well. But when there is two people codependent, then I think a lot of things we've talked about are evident on both sides. They just might present differently. Someone might be codependent and very passive. Somebody might be codependent and very aggressive. It just really depends. But but recognizing part of it is sort of this self-inventory, like, and I think a couple of key questions to ask were like, is this healthy for me? Not do I need it? Do I want it? Is it healthy for me? I mean, we all probably want, you know, to eat a gallon of ice cream or we all need this, but is it healthy? No, but do we do it anyway? Maybe. So that we know we might want to just ask ourselves, like, is this healthy for me? And is this 
opportunity presenting itself to work in my behalf or am I always having to work on the other person's behalf? And we don't want to get into anything like that, regardless whether it's employer, employee, you know, if, if our basic needs and our basic value is not being acknowledged, that's not good in any kind of relationship. And I think that's kind of the one question that at, at some point everybody has to ask themselves in a relationship that they're not a hundred percent sure on. Cause this, re- this podcast wouldn't exist if everybody was in like the healthy relationships where it's like, everything feels great. But I think I like, I get a lot of DMS of people who are like, I'm not really sure if this relationship is really working out for me. It's good, but it's not awful. How would you define a healthy relationship, like a relationship that serves you, that someone could kind of use as like a litmus test for whether or not something is actually worth staying in. You know, you you still want to need each other in a relationship. I mean, that's what best friends are. That's what we do, right? But we don't want to need to the point where our needs don't go met, get met or to where we can't function or exist or we begin to think those thoughts. So I think a healthier relationship would be more like, we rely on each other. We we need to each other. We we utilize each other for support. We for value. We build each other up. You know, we we feel valued in the relationship. Usually, in the codependent relationship, one or both parties don't feel very valued, or they don't. They feel kind of worthless. Usually, in in some way in that relationship. But if you're in a good, dependent cooperative, mutual relationship, there's usually that sense of, I actually feel valued. I feel secure. I don't feel like my buttons are being pushed to my insecurities to make me question myself or what I'm doing or who I am. So it's a lot of that stuff. And sometimes we don't really want to look at that because if I look at that, then it's kind of like, if we're used to being in more of a one down mode in our self-value or self-worth, it's like, I don't really deserve to think I deserve better. And I mean, this guy or this girl isn't that bad, I guess. And I can just power through, but that's really unfair. We really deserve more than that. So I think just, you know, if we, if there's mutual value, if both parties make the relationship a priority, but can still find joy outside, can still find purpose and meaning outside, you know, those are the kind of relationships, relationships where the Security is the foundation. Like I, I'm in a relationship with this person, but this per, like my husband, he can go play golf and I'm totally fine with that. I can go do whatever. And he's totally fine with that. And we come back, we're independent, but we're dependent, but we're not enmeshed with unhealthy ways and unhealthy boundaries. So being able to be individual and be together, but that's not always fostered in the codependent relationship. And it's almost like in the codependent relationship, we often lose ourselves And then we're not sure even it's kind of chicken egg now, like who's creating what, who's causing what. And it just gets really confusing. And that's where I think it gets really hard to leave if it's necessary to leave. I feel like we've covered so much ground and you've given so much really awesome insight and like even just have gone above and beyond with the things that I've asked. Is there anything you feel like we haven't covered or just things you think are are important to note about either victims of sexual assault or the codependent relationship? I always like to think that if something isn't working for you, and even if that's been the past, it doesn't have to stay that way. And it's really important to, and I know it's scary. So it might just be like little droplets of information, but when you feel like you've got somebody that's beginning to move into your corner, that's helpful, allow that person to allow you to see your strengths and allow you to see your value. Because as those people can build you up just as quickly as other people, have broken us down a little bit, but really if we're in an unhealthy relationship, we don't have to stay there. We might need a little bit of help moving through it. 
And what is the, I think one question to ask is, what's going to be the result long-term if I do stay in this? How am I going to pursue my dreams, my interests, my passions, my purpose? Does that even matter? Answer for that to me is always absolutely yes. But really try to find people in your corner that can help you sift through this, that aren't going to judge you, and that will help you believe you can have something different if you're in a relationship that's not serving you well even if it's been for a long time. Perfect. Well, Amy, thank you once again for coming on and absolutely crushing it. You're such a wealth of information. We love having you on. Again, I'm going to have all of Amy's information linked in the episode description below. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.